0: Welcome to What the Fab, a fans-first sports network fantasy baseball show where there are no silly questions. I'm Sarah Sanchez, and as always, I am here to break down what's going on in fantasy baseball with some of the greatest minds in the industry in a way that strives to demystify this wonderful game a bit while bridging the gap between your home league and the NFBC main event. Today, we're joined. Uh, today, we are checking in on the Tat Wars 12 Team Mixed League at Memorial Day with one of my dear friends, Brian Entrekin, who you know as Casey Bubba. Bubba is everywhere. You've heard him on Bench with Bubba and Bubba in the Bloom. His fantasy analysis is at Fantasy Pros, Baseball HQ, and more. And we are both in the 12 Team Mixed League Tat Wars League together. So I thought today we could do a bit of a deep dive there. You can find him at BD on Twitter. Where he's sharing a ton of great fantasy insights. Welcome to What the Fab, Bubba.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, sir. It's uh, it's an honor to be a- on the show. You kind of hinted at this when you joined me earlier in the preseason that you had something coming up, and uh, I've seen you uh, have some pretty great guests on. So to be honored honored to be on that uh, spectrum. So thank you for having me.
0: Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I've wanted to do this for a while now. And honestly, it's partially like I just get to hang out with my friends and talk about fantasy sports. But also like I get to pick your brains a little bit about things that are going on in our leagues and how we make decisions and whatnot. And I am super thrilled that you are in the 12 team mixed league tout wars league with me this year. So I thought we could do a deep dive there. But before we do that, Uh, News and updates around the league. Hopefully we can get through this faster than I have been recently. There's been so many injuries this year. I feel like it takes up half the show. Um, let's start with the Dodgers. Gavin Stone looks like headed back to the minors. Michael Grove, probably getting the next start. However, Bobby Miller looks incredible. What are your thoughts on this Dodgers rotation situation?
1: Yeah, it's the Bobby Miller show with uh, Dustin May out for quite a while. I'm thinking it's probably longer than they're telling us. They're saying he shut down for like six weeks, give or take four to six weeks. He had a PRP injection. He's going to ramp up. I get spring training again. So he's going to be done for a bit. It's Bobby Miller's time to shine. And he was the guy that myself and a lot of other I'm not a prospect guy. First, I'll speculate that. But there's a lot of smart people that I do pay attention to that um, were saying Miller over Stone the whole time. It's just Stone was ahead of him in the progression chain. And uh, we've seen it play out in in front of us already. Back-to-back starts with one and run or less. The strikeouts are there for Bobby Miller. Everybody paid up the price for him this past week, and rightfully so. So I'm a big fan of this. I think Stone's going to be fine he just has to go back to the minors and figure it out. The talent's there; it's just some guys take some time to get used to it, and it's been it's been ugly. It's been a rough go. He's gonna have to go get things right on uh, in his pitching mechanics and in between the years after the, the three starts he had. So we'll see. But Bobby Miller, he looks legit. It's early, but he looks legit.
0: It was three rough starts for Gavin Stone uh, against some pretty good teams too. I will say I I missed this one a little bit mainly because I was really worried about Bobby Miller's innings. It's been so low. I was like, how is he going to just come up? and start for the Dodgers, uh, but he is, and he's doing a great job. And so this was definitely a miss for me. I miss I missed out on Bobby Miller, but I'm enjoying watching him pitch a lot. A guy that I did not miss out on this past weekend, to start Mike Soroka, I, it has been a hot minute since we have seen Michael Soroka in the major leagues. He had that Achilles tear and then re-tear um, that he has been rehabbing for, it feels like forever, but I think it's just been two seasons at this point in time. The Atlanta rotation could really use – um, a little bit of stability there. What do you see from Soroka?
1: I love what I, I actually watched his start on the West Coast here. Um, I was watching the A's game. It was an early game, so it was nice to do some you know written content and watch some baseball. And I watched it all. And you know the, you'll see the four and runs, but what I see is six innings pitched. He looked very good. Um, the four and runs came in one inning. He gave up three run home run to Ryan Noda, so that was kind of just one of those deals. I was just happy to see him get through six innings. We're recording the day after right now. There's been no news that, hey, he's hurt again. So that is like the win of the entire situation. We know the pedigree is there. The question, like you said, is he's been out for over two – this is his first start over two and a half years. He's been kind of going through this for three years now um, just to get back to the mound, let alone how long is he going to to pitch this season. That's the million-dollar question, but I'm all about it. I think he made a great move if he picked him up this week, like you said. Um, The two starts, you couldn't have asked for a better start against Oakland. And uh, I think there's a lot to like that the Braves need help in the rotation, and Soroka could be that guy.
0: Absolutely. His next test will be against the Diamondbacks, and the Diamondbacks are a much better team than Oakland, so we'll see how that goes for Michael Soroka. But, yeah, I'm excited about him as well. Another guy who is back who we haven't seen for a while from my Cubs, uh, uh, Kyle Hendricks, made his first start since last July. And it was a little bit rough. I mean, I, I was at this game, I will say, he kind of got Babib to death a little bit. It didn't look like he was giving up hard contact. It was just kind of one of those situations where, I don't know, you throw 88 to 90 miles per hour, all of a sudden they can string together a few singles, and the next thing you know, you let a crooked number go on the board. I am out on Kyle Hendricks at the moment, but I can. he has a clear spot. In the rotation, the Cubs really need him to succeed for this to work. And I have to believe that their defense up the middle with Dansby Swanson and Nico Horner is going to protect him from too many outings where he gets babbid like that. I am a little bit concerned. if If he starts giving up hard contact, starts giving up a lot of home runs into the wind at Wrigley, I'd be much more concerned. But this last start, cautiously optimistic as a Cubs fan, but out as a fantasy player. What about you?
1: Yep, 100% with you on this one. And I will definitely look at your advice being the Cubs guru on this one. But, you know, Hendrix, he had, he had his time in the sun a few years ago. It was great to see. But you, you mentioned it, the velocity is just not going to play in this baseball like the era we're, we're living in now. And he might have a few games here and there if he gets the ground balls working. But as a whole, maybe a streamer in a deep league at best, it's going to be tough to roster him regularly.
0: Yeah, he's also one of those guys who I think really got impacted by the bouncy ball, the ball that was just flying everywhere, like what used to be fly balls for him became home runs real fast. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens as the weather heats up here this summer. The dude I am very interested in, though, right now, who is throwing gas in Iowa is Cody Hoyer. The Cubs bullpen is a dumpster fire. They cannot they are like, I think. Now, three and 10 in one run games, but one of those is because Marcus Stroman just threw a complete game shutout. So it's like he didn't even want to let the pen try to do anything. He was like, no, I'll just take the ball. Yeah. Uh, Cody Hoyer was the guy who was supposed to be the closer of the future for them. They got him in the Craig Kimbrell trade, and he looks like he should be back sometime in the next couple of weeks. Nobody has claimed that job. I think it's Cody's if he wants it. And they really need a back end of the rotation, uh, the back end of the bullpen to establish itself.
1: Yeah, that's a great call because I remember he was the guy and then he got his like, he had to have Tommy John out of nowhere late, like spring training a couple years ago. And um, you're looking at his his rehab. He's given up some runs, but it's been in three outings. Uh, The rest of them in perfect outings. And that's what rehab does. Like he's working on getting his his, uh, command back. But the velocity is there, the strikeouts are there. I think there's an option because, you know, Fulmer, I've seen your tweets, ain't the guy. Uh, Boxberger's been, um, you know, hurt. Lighter's interesting. Lighter's interesting. I'll say that much. But as a whole, just for depth in the bullpen, like you said, Hero could be that guy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And the guys, the other guy I'll mention there who you didn't mention, because I agree with you on Lighter. I think Lighter's been interesting. I just think he's not a closer. I think he's like your seventh inning guy is Adbert Azalei, who's been really good.
1: I love Advert. This season.
0: And I really just want them to establish that back of the bullpen as like lighter, Adbert Hoyer, and just run with it. Just like the Boxberger and Fulmer experiments did not work. That's unfortunate. Move on. (laughs) Bingo. Uh, Let's move on from the Cubs to the other side of Chicago, where Liam Hendricks is back. And honestly. If you've not watched this, it's on Twitter. It's amazing.
1: The the uh, the intro with the lights flashing and so good. like I've been I've been like tracking this cuz I do too many podcasts, daily shows and everything. So every time there's news coming out about hey, he's doing this with beating cancer, he's doing this. So it's been fun to watch like the progression. Like how he just beats the snot out of it basically. And then yeah, the intro on Twitter was electric. Um I was jealous for anybody in the stadium cuz not just to mention he beat cancer. Liam's a good dude. Like he's yes. just a good dude. So like you're rooting for him. And then to see him do it, no one even cared. He had two runs. I didn't care. No one cared. He was playing baseball and it's it's awesome. It's great to have him back. And yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Cause we've all been affected by cancer one way or another. So to see a guy do that was pretty impressive.
0: It was unbelievable. Check it out. If you haven't wishing Liam, nothing but the best could not agree with you more there. The Philadelphia, uh, Starting rotation is—I don't even know what's going on. Like Bailey Falter is working on stuff in AAA, and I get it. He was really struggling. Dylan Covey doesn't look good. Uh, I don't know why Matt Strom can't get a start here. What is going on with Philadelphia?
1: Yeah, it's a great, great question here, Sarah. Um, you know, Aaron Nola has been struggling, but he's not losing his spot. Wheeler's look good, thank goodness. But you mentioned the back end of that uh, rotation, like Ranger Suarez is finally back. But I agree, Strom. Or Strom, I think what the the issue they had with Strom is he's been a reliever for so long, so they kind of wanted to play with his innings. That's my only guess is limit him because he was pitching so well and he was getting five or six innings. So it just turned into like, oh no, like he's going to approach his innings limit real quick and we're in trouble. So now if we have him open, get an inning or two, like he's in the bullpen again. Hopefully Dylan Covey can get it done. That is not working obviously. So yeah, we'll have to see. You know, Andrew Painter is a big name that was discussed in preseason. I haven't really tracked him a ton again. Not a prospect guy. I wait till they get closer to the bigs. But that might be a guy we end up seeing sooner than later because they do need help. Because they're still a good team. They can make a run. We saw it last year. The offense is there. Harper's back. So, yeah, they have to figure it out quick.
0: I have been tracking Andrew Painter. I just started um, at Baseball HQ, which is one of the places that you work as well, uh, covering the NL East. And he threw a sidecar this week that apparently went pretty well. So he hasn't thrown in a game yet, but he is getting some work in and the rehab is progressing, um, appropriately. So Andrew Painter is on my like months down the road, obviously, but on my radar as a guy to keep an eye on, uh, speaking of guys who came back after a long time, uh, T- Tyler Glass now making his debut for the Rays and you know the line isn't impressive but honestly the stuff looked so good I am very happy that I have Tyler Glass now in the places I had him because there's nothing like that coming on the waiver wire
1: there's nothing like that on the waiver wire but like the only thing I'll say because yes it was great six eight K's and four and a third against the Dodgers of all teams the thing with Glass now it's never been the electricity of what he can bring to the table. It's just can you keep him inside the bubble? Like don't hurt this man. That's always the thing with glass now. That's always been kind of my trepidation facing with up with glass now. But when he's on the mound, when he's actually pitching, you're right. You aren't gonna find it anywhere else. And the, fun, the, the okay, funny is the wrong word. I always say that. But the crazy thing is, even if he's limited in innings because of the injury and maybe he gets you know, tweaked, hurt somehow again, he still might get more innings than all these prospects that are getting called up in the grand scheme of things. And he's better than them. So you're right with that. I wish him the best. I love seeing him on the mound. I just it's, we have a handful of players we all root for. It's like, just stay healthy, please. Just stay healthy. And he's definitely one of them. Just like and it's fun to root for the Rays. So like stay healthy.
0: Yeah, the Rays are actually playing in Chicago right now. And Glass now is not going to make a start here on the north side. But I am going to go see Shane McClanahan face off against Kyle Hendricks tonight. So that should be quite the fun one at Wrigley Field. Um, Weird, weird issue for Anthony Rizzo in this Yankees game, this collision with Fernando Tatis. And look, I love Anthony Rizzo as much as any person on the planet. And Tatis didn't do anything here. Like he wasn't trying to headbutt. Rizzo with his hip or anything. It was just like a weird uh, way that he entered back at the bag, but I'm um, a little bit nervous. Rizzo sat last night against the Mariners. I'm hoping it was just precautionary. It does not look like he's headed for the injured list, but the way that he kind of stumbled and fell. And honestly, like the whole Yankees team around him, you can tell he means a ton to that squad.
1: Yeah. He's, he's a, he's a, he's a clubhouse guy. You could use all the slang terms for him. Like he's needed in in, in the culture of whatever team he's on, but for his injury, I was surprised to see him out on Monday, honestly, because I read up on Sunday they did a bunch of tests after the game and he passed everything. He was fine. He's expected to play on Monday. I don't know if it's maybe the travel from the east to the west that's a long flight that maybe is like, you know what, let's wait another day. Maybe they had a little impingement still. So it's like, hey, if we have to wait another day or two to avoid the IL, it seems all precautionary. I'm going to hope it's precautionary. And uh, until we know otherwise, I'm going to call it precautionary. (laughs)
0: God, I hope so, too, because I mean, I'm just going to preview something here. When we talk about hits and misses on our draft, Anthony Rizzo has been clutch for me in a bunch of leagues, including this Tout Wars uh, mix league draft. In fact, let's move there now. So this is a league, uh, 12 teams, both AL and NL, a couple of wonky category. So we use um, OVP instead of average, which I love. Personally, I the only time I think about batting average anymore is for fantasy baseball. So anytime I can sub in um, base percentage, which I consider a much better indicator of true talent, I'm happy about it. We use innings pitched instead of wins, which I also think is great because it just creates a challenge in terms of how you balance those ratios with things like strikeouts and innings. Um, and we use saves and holds instead of saves, which means that you don't have to like push all those closers way up. You can get some value from guys who are throwing the seventh and eighth inning. Uh, I was mostly happy with my draft here. How about you, Brett? I, like, Bubba, I just have to say I loved your draft. I think I wrote you at the time that I loved you your did. draft. Uh,
1: it's a good thing I'm a good drafter because my in-season production has struggled tremendously in <laughs> this league. Um, but, no, I love the draft, too. This is, I believe, the third year of this league. I was – been a part of it from the beginning. Like, you joined last year. Uh, and um, it's we were the guinea pigs three years ago. Like, they like wanted to try the innings pitch and all this. So I've, I've kind of drafted differently each time kind of thinking where it's going to work in the OBP format. I liked it a lot. Um, it's hard to get too mad. It's just like some guys have just been massively disappointing and that's just what's crushed me because, you know, Manny Machado was my second pick and that's just been a bummer. I don't know I'm probably cutting into the next segment, but there's just been a bunch of guys that I was very high on on draft day that have not panned out. So it's been a lot of waiver wires, ups and downs and figuring things out and, I like where it's at. Now it's just the time guys need to produce. So thank you. I enjoyed my draft. I had fun with my draft. I liked my draft. I just need guys to play better. <laughs> That's the problem.
0: Well, and what's wild about this, I was thinking about this as I went back and looked at this board and thinking about some of the decision points. Because, like For example, I just mentioned Anthony Rizzo. He's probably my favorite like hit on a lower pick in this draft. And also... Like I was going Jose Abreu or Anthony Rizzo at first base. Like those were my one, two priorities. And like, that's a 50-50 shot of disaster, right? (laughs) Like if I had gotten Abreu instead of Rizzo, we are having a very different conversation about my first base situation. And similarly, there was a point in this draft uh, where John Legaza sniped me on Tristan Cassis. And I was like, oh man, what am I going to do? And so I like picked Nathan Avaldi right after. And then I I was at the, um, I picked second. So I was at the turn. And then I took Josh Young right after that. And I, I actually kind of didn't love that pick at the time. I was like, oh, did I just bump Josh Young up too fast? And no, honestly, that worked no, out didn't. really well for me. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, did, have you sent John a fruit basket yet? So I, so I know <laughs> that I Because that, that turned out very well. You have one of the best pitchers in all of baseball and one of the top third basemen in all of baseball. Uh, and in the, the rounds, what, 18 and 19. Those are kind of a game changer picks. I, I remember that, too, because you know, in the chat, you were just like, john whatever like yeah there was an expletive happened a few times (laughs) it happened a few times during the draft john did good on that on that part but um yeah it's it's funny how when we do drafts and it's always good to look back on the goods and the bads sometimes it's the picks that we don't like that turn out to be the ones that that pan out so yeah no good on you (laughs)
0: uh but who was your biggest hit of the draft what's who's the player that's really cranking for you right now that you're really happy about
1: well the easy one would be to say um a third round Matt Olson feels pretty good because I know a lot of Matt Olson shares, but um, you know, t- to me, a guy I was high on the entire season basically, all draft season that I- I've just been a huge fan of, and that's Thyro Estrada. I've uh, I- I've been huge on him now, he's on the IL obviously, so that's a tremendous bum, but um, he's been great, stealing bags, scoring runs, hitting over 300. Obviously, we're doing AB- OBP, so he's got a great OBP if he's already hitting over 300, so he's been a big one for me that I- I've liked a ton. I just noticed, and I'm going to cry now. I did draft Christopher Morrell in this league, and um, obviously I had to drop him. So that that, that hurts. Oh,
0: that does hurt.
1: <laughs> and I forgot. I forgot I drafted him. Thanks for bringing this back up, Sarah.
0: <laughs> I forgot you drafted him too. That's probably part of why I, I like your draft. so love
1: We talked about him on the Cubs preview <laughs> show, and like I have him in so many draft and holds. So that's great because couldn't couldn't drop him there. But in redrafts, you just didn't know what the Cubs were going to do. I don't think the Cubs knew what they were going to do. <laughs> So um yeah, that that sting scene, that one right there. Around twenty more.
0: You can't hold him in a twelve team league. No, like I know some people held him in fifteens and I and I respect it if you had the ability to and you didn't have guys get hurt, like by all means do it. And but honestly, it was so unclear what the Cubs were gonna do. They have messed around with his playing time, like bringing in miles master and Zach yeah. McKinstry, although Zach McKinstry totally reiki right now. Yes. So nice to see him get a fresh start with the tigers. Um, now Christopher Morell on a 12 team. You can't hold, but yeah,
1: I I'm not mad. That's
0: on Jed Hoyer.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, yeah. But no, um, overall I, uh, what I'm really looking forward to is my very last pick was Royce Lewis. who I stashed on the IL the entire time. So that's nice. fun.
0: That is fun. That's a really great pickup, and that's about to pay off for you considerably. Let's do the flip side of this. Who is somebody that has been kind of a bust for you? And I will start with mine, uh, who does appear like he might be turning a corner and also like he might hit the injured list. So we'll see what happens there. It's Carlos Correa, who I was sure is like, I don't have to worry about injury stuff with Correa this year. I mean, all of that stuff is four or five years in the future, and he has just been ice cold. Uh, there have been times here where I've been like, man, should I sit Carlos Correa so that I can – but Nico Horner in that spot, or I picked up Matt McClain off the waiver wire, and I'm like, I don't know, man. I have some flexibility here at middle infielder. I do not need to play somebody who is playing three games a week because his foot hurts right now. Um, but the last few games he's been in the lineup, and he appears to be heating up. So fingers crossed that my my worst part of the draft is about to be over.
1: Yeah, Correa is a tough one, but you you didn't have to pay a premium, so that's good, and hopefully that gets ironed out soon enough. Um, mine is tough because which starting pitcher do I pick, basically, is what it comes down to because it's just been that kind of year. But it, then I look at it, it's pretty easy. The only league, and I played a lot of leagues, the only league that I have this player in is because he pitches deep in baseball games. That's why I picked him because I want the innings pitch to go with uh, the strikeouts and hopefully everything else. And that was one Alec Manoa who is i literally every sunday i look at just dropping them i'm like oh no it's 12 teams like i don't need to yet we're good i don't need to because the thing with this tout wars which wasn't we didn't mention if you add someone you have to play them that way yes week. and so i i don't just like if i was just stashing guys like an NFC oh Manoa would have been gone a long time ago just because i could just stash guys but that so it's a little different but i drafted manoa thinking also we draft early this was like early march also so I, I drafted Manoa thinking, okay, he's he, he's good for at least six, usually seven innings every single start. And he's going to get you, you know, two or three runs, whatever. He's not going to kill you. Ratios will be decent. Get you maybe five, six K sometimes he has a good night. I'm like, that's, that's solid. I'll take that. That goes well. Yeah. No, he hasn't gone well at all.
0: You know, I love that pick for you. And I think that Alec Manoa is a really good example of um, something that I am, that we could not have possibly predicted on draft day. At, in any league uh, and it's the same thing that i think is bug and jameson tie on right now it's the dudes who really were like just going to struggle with the pitch clock yep. and not know I, I mean i don't i don't know how to explain this but like a clock puts pressure on you in a way mm. that no clock does not and i think i thought about this as a teacher like with standardized tests of all things That's but like
1: a great example though it you really take
0: is. you take a test with no clock and you might ace that because you're just really not, you know, you're just like putting the information out. You have all the time in the world to like go and think and and analyze and do your thing. And then the second you sit down to take the ACT and it's like, you know, everybody eyes down, pens on paper, 30 minutes, here's your five-minute warning, here's your two-minute warning, you just start to make mistakes. Like, and not everybody, some people are great standardized test takers, the clock doesn't bother them at all. And some people it collapses their confidence. And I just feel like what we're seeing with some of these veteran guys who have struggled this year is not like they can never come back, but they've they've been pitching for five, 10 years with no clock. And all of a sudden, they have to make a decision in 15 seconds. And if they don't make a decision in 15 seconds, that's a ball. And now all of a sudden they're behind. And now they have to make another decision in 15 seconds. And depending on how much you trust your catcher, how good your game planning is. I just think some guys are really struggling with that. And Manoa is a great example of it. I hope he comes out of it. I love Alec Manoa. Yeah,
1: it's, it's a great point. And I think there will be guys that figure it out. Some guys already have that struggled early on. Other guys that might take him through the off season until next year and you get a discount in drafts. Um, if people want to hear basically what Sarah was saying there from an actual professional player, go listen to Trevor May talk about it. That's why he had his anxiety. That's why he went on the I.L he flat out talked about how the pitch clock has con- completely messed with him on the mound. Just completely, then he's having like, not, I don't know if panic attacks exactly, but he's literally breaking down because of the pitch clock. And so it's it like most of us don't think it's a big deal, but that's because you're not a professional athlete that is being paid millions of dollars to be successful. So <laughs> again, there's a lot of stress to it, and there's a lot to be said about what Sarah said as well.
0: Interestingly, I'm now looking at my eighth and ninth round picks, and this MJ Melendez-Taylor Ward back-to-back is really not working all that well.
1: M- MJ's coming around, either. though. I, I, God, I, I hope so. In MJ. he's He's slowly getting it going, so I'd stay pretty confident in that one.
0: I mean, I was really excited about that pick. I remember talking about that with Alex Fast in the first episode of this show, and I'm looking at it now, and I'm like, Taylor Ward isn't even playing all of the games right now. He's lost his part of his job to Mickey Moniak, and I kind of – I'm just like, what is going on here? Yeah, that's that's
1: a tough one for sure.
0: He's been on my bench for a while, though. Melendez is not. I have to just play Melendez each week. Catchers
1: are catchers. Catchers
0: (laughs) are catchers. Yes, they are. Uh, We are going to take a quick break for our sponsors. On the flip side, though, we have a lot – more going on. We're going to take a look at the categories in this league. I think this league is fascinating because it's super tight every year. And so there's a lot of movement that occurs each day. We're also going to talk about uh, waiver wire ads, what we've done so far this season and where we've maybe picked up what fell down on draft day. But first, a quick break and we're back so one of the things that i think is so interesting about this league and i loved it last year and i love it this year i actually like have the live scoring up almost every day just kind of tracking it because it's so tight right now there are like eight people all clustered within like the like multiple categories let me just pull this up for a second so for example you've got stolen bases there's like nine of us in the 60 50 range there same thing with home runs you've got one two three four five six seven eight like eight of us between 84 and 98 I mean there's just so many points that you can make up with some of these category stats I find myself tracking it obsessively and I love how competitive this league
1: is it is very competitive and that's always kind of the knock on industry leagues and hey I've watched I remember thinking these were the greatest things ever when I was like high school and college, and, and and you watch them, and then you start thinking, okay, yeah, I can see why you'd want to take a backseat if you got hundreds of dollars on something else. But this league is very competitive, and it's always been competitive, which is great to see. And um, it, it is funny because, like, I've struggled a ton because if you look at, I keep looking at my draft going, man, this guy got hurt, and this guy got hurt, and then this guy got hurt. It's just been one of those years. But then I look at the overall, um, you know, points, like you're talking about, for each category, and there's a lot of ground that can be made up. Like you said, it's very, very tight. It's very competitive. The waiver wire... Is always a wild card every week. You don't know who's going for what. And we'll talk about that in a minute with, with, with some of my favorite moves of the week. But it is it is very very competitive, and I I do love that about this league. A lot of great people in this league, so uh, it'll 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 be a fun one to see where this goes. We have about about a third of this way through the season. It's like four months to go. A lot can change.
0: Oh yeah, it's Memorial Day. This thing could totally shift at any given point in time. I mean, one of the things, uh, and I'll just we're about to talk about the waiver wire, so I'll just mention it. Now, I bumped my bid on Matt McLean up, even though I was sitting in a pretty nice spot with middle infielder. I had just picked uh, Whit Merrifield had been dropped in this league, so I just picked Whit Merrifield up off the waiver wire, and he had, like, a big stolen base week right after that, and I was like, do I really need Matt McLean? But – you look at how tight that steals category is. And I remember trust like running me down last September. I was like, absolutely not. That is not happening again. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I am going to get these steals now and just, and I, I need them. And so um, I went to 142 instead of like the 112 bid that I was going to put down and wound up winning it by like 20. I think somebody had a 124 okay. uh, backup bid. And that has been like, I'm so glad I did that. It was helpful um, immediately. Right. And so, It's interesting you talk about the waiver wire here. I think two things can happen. One, I think we're all chasing our own individual needs in such a way that every now and again, you can get a really good deal. Uh, $2 Mike Soroka last night, I popped that bid in at the very last le- or, or not last night, Sunday night, popped that bid in at the very last minute when I heard that he was going to get called up for sure. Cause as you mentioned, you have to play the guy if you take him. So you can't stash Mike Soroka. If he's if you pick him up, he's in your lineup no matter what, whether he gets called up or not. Um which is how I think that happened because the news broke like within an hour of when Fab was going to run and it was a holiday weekend. Um
1: good Soroka. That's pretty solid.
0: But I also lost Bybee, you got both Bybee and Alan. And I, I'm still kicking myself over this because I wanted Bybee. And I think I went 196. And you went 220 something. And I was like, why didn't I just bump over 200? Like, what is the matter with me? <laughs>
1: Yeah, that those were the two I was gonna mention because you were even kind enough to to send me a DM saying like because I I joked about it, I, I screenshotted it because you know Fab runs at seven Eastern for tout, and you know NFC is at ten eastern. So some people look at tout numbers, yeah. So I just joked, I'm like, wow, this is what one I I didn't think I'd get both. And uh I wanted Bybee. I thought Allen would be great as a secondary, obviously big fan of both now. Uh, I mentioned how my pitchers have just struggled tremendously this year. I also have Taj Bradley. Like so, my money has disappeared That's into huge. three prospects. Like, but it's three top end prospects the way I look at it. And I needed help in a big, big way. But I, you said the fact that I won Bybee and Allen in the same week, I was just like, what just happened? But it was cool because there's so many other times where it just doesn't work out, and it was kind of it was kind of interesting to see.
0: Well, and you know, you mentioned the range of bits here. I mean, I think. When guys want, when people in this league want their guys, they will throw down. There is no hesitation. Nobody is shy in this league. I mean, this is a league where Anthony Volpe went for $502 in the first bat run of the the season. And I was like, there is no world, like Volpe's a nice player. There was no world where I was going to throw down 50% of my budget for him. That said, starting shortstop for the Yankees, tons of steals. Like that could be a difference maker in the league if he kind of comes back later on this year. Christopher Morrell went for 327
1: in Man, this he was league. he for free, too.
0: Oh, uh, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> No, it's fine. I just had to make it. Laughter is, it heals everything.
0: <laughs> but it, and 327 and then immediately paid off, right? You got homers. You got steals. You got runs. You got everything from Christopher Morrell right away. And so, I mean, it's hard to question that move. He's certainly been worth the 33% that was put on him in this league.
1: Yeah, 100%. That's the thing is, you know, the old saying is go get your guy and uh, deal with the repercussions later. We've seen it in Tout War. That's why I've been kind of like hit and miss on, on bidding since I've got those three prospects because they don't come cheap. But um, and there's just four more months to go. So we got that going. And you see it in other, like, NFBCs. You see some of the best players out there talking about how they've, you know, I got a couple hundred bucks left with four months left because there's so many prospects coming up. We still might get a few more to go. Like, it's, it's pretty wild. So go get your guy get going now because if you wait too long you're, you're going to be in too big of a hole
0: you know i have about 550 560 left in this league i have that in a handful of leagues and i have one league where i am drowning i think i have 180 dollars left and i am I,
1: I don't know how to fix this team.
0: <laughs> just like every move i am making is not working
1: uh we we all have those leagues i completely uh understand what you're talking about in a big big way yes
0: yeah. I mean, so, you know, there are there are times your big, your big moves work, and there are times your big moves don't work. And honestly, better to have made the move and at least tried than not yep. to have made a move at all. Um, I do find myself, though, you have $500 left, you can do quite a bit with that over the right. course of the rest of the season. You have 180 left, like you're basically like, those those are your pitcher moves each week to make sure P- you can penny, feel penny the rotation.
1: For the rest of the season. Yeah, we're clipping coupons. We're, we're going dollar dollar general. We're we're gonna figure out how to put this together.
0: Like, where is Sean Maniah today?
1: <laughs> oh man, that's that's less than $180. <laughs> As a Giants fan, trust me, that is painful. <laughs>
0: Um, what are your biggest team needs in this league so far? And a sub question here that I've asked a couple of different people. How do you assess needs? Do you look at it as a positional question? You're like, oh, I really need to fill second base this week. I don't have enough at bats there. Or do you look at it as a categories need categories needs? And does that change at some point during the season?
1: That's a good question. Cause we always talk about, and you hear about maximizing at bats over and over again. Um, with the world of platoons we live in now, it's harder to do so so i i kind of just look more like at a yes you want to fill your roster to the best of their abilities i'm not going to say it's not positional but i look categorical like i'm looking at what i'm doing good in the standings at and what i need help with like it's it's pretty clear cut i need runs and rbis so i need some power bats potentially or get some leadoff hitters that can score some runs so that's something i need to look into um my pitching categories are okay whip is just dreadful so like how do you fix whip Well, you probably get some relievers to help, like, have a couple weeks where you just put a bunch of relievers out there. Problem is it's an innings pitch league, and I'm bad innings pitched. So it's a balancing act. The bright side is there's no overall. So I could just say I'm going to punt whip and go load up on innings pitched, like not even – and I'm doing okay in holds and saves, obviously. Just take a couple couple weeks off on that department and just load up on innings pitched, get strikeouts, hope it works out. So it's just a strategy thing. I think I look more at at categories than positions to your initial question. But you still don't want to just throw out, you know, a, a scrub at a position because, well, I, I got all this taken care of. But we just got to fill this spot for now. You don't want to do that either. But, yes, yeah, category for me.
0: Yeah, interesting. Uh, by doing well in saves and holds, Brian, Brian means he's leading that category. <laughs> it's
1: like the only thing I could say that in. So I had to throw it out there right now. <laughs> yeah. and, Sarah's, and it's Mankind, not Sarah's been kind. She's leading the whole league. Okay. The whole league. She hasn't said it once. I'll say it for her. Half hour into the show. She's leading the league. Okay.
0: <laughs> at this moment in time. I, I was I was winning this league for like three months last year, too, and I lost it at the end. And I'm still I learned a lot from that, by the way. Like I knew what I needed to do and I missed on it. Like I just I I just missed. And I actually um it's This is an embarrassing story, but I'll just tell it because I think that it's one of those times where, you know, you can learn something from it. So I went to I didn't have a ton of fab left last year, the week that like Corbin Carroll and Gunnar Henderson came up. But I went in to put just like spec bids on them just in case something happened. And then I had like a backup for Brendan Donovan because I just wanted somebody who was going to give me some runs, give me some stolen bases, whatever and i am not the smartest person and on roto is not the easiest platform to use and so when i went to add gunnar henderson for 36 dollars i instead added billy hamilton for 36 dollars and i wound up in the first week of september with an absolute zero in my roster on a like i wouldn't have gotten gunnar henderson for that but i would have gotten 12 dollar brendan donovan yeah. and i honestly think that was that was the week that like trust passed me and I was just, I was mortified. It was my first year in Tower Wars. I was like, I cannot believe I just added Billy Hamilton. Nobody would do that. Nobody would add Billy Hamilton not on purpose. Nobody <laughs> would do that, right? Like this is not a thing that anybody would do. And I did it and I'll own it. And it's not the first time that somebody has clicked a name like one off, right? Like we always talk about, make sure you know, you're Luis Garcia. Yep. Don't mix up Tyler Wade and Taylor Ward. Yep. And I did, I did it. And it caught, I I I mean, I don't know that I would have won the league. Like I trust got I think Jake McCarthy and Bubba Thompson and might have beat me anyway. That'll help. Just with that, even if I had gotten Brendan Donovan instead of Billy Hamilton, but we will never know. <laughs> Brendan Donovan went the next week for like twenty four dollars. And I was just like, Well, I I'm gonna try for a second.
1: <laughs> a, a couple things there is a I like to go back and look look at what went wrong more than I look what went right type stuff. So kudos to you on that uh b on roto is difficult so you said it nicely um and i've 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 said it to the, the powers to be on this one i'm not the only one trust me um it's the site we use it's the site we're going to use so you learn how to deal with it that's life but um yeah that mistake is actually much easier i think people will understand unless you've been on on roto because um It's, yeah, it's not the user-friendly version. Let's put it that way. So it happens, and the best of the best will pick the wrong ones all the time. Like, even when, like, it happens. So I wouldn't uh, beat yourself up too much over it.
0: I learned a good lesson about reviewing my fab bids right before things go through at the last minute. I also learned a good lesson. So for those of you who have never played on On OnRoto, the reason that this mistake can happen is unlike your fan tracks or your ESPN where you're looking at players and they're ranked somehow, like you have, you're just adding the guy who has like the, most home runs or the best on base percentage or whatever on roto. You have to go in and it's an alphabetical list of players. And then as you're making each move, you're like clicking on the individual name. And so you can alphabetically just like, I don't know, you can add the wrong Miller. You could add the wrong Mm or like there, there are dudes who have the exact same name in this league. And so you could add the wrong Luis Garcia very easily.
1: Very easily, very easily. It's, it's a, yeah, I'm just gonna keep it at that. It's a it's a different system. Let's put it that way, and uh, you'd better double, triple, maybe quadruple check certain things. That, I'll say that much.
0: So yeah, I learned I learned the triple check your on roto bids lesson. Mm-hmm a God. very hard way. It's a, lesson.
1: it's a lesson we've all learned.
0: God, I was <laughs> just learned. praying for the White Sox to use Billy Hamilton in some capacity. Oh, that would have
1: been <laughs> just, like, the greatest thing ever. Just give me a couple pinch running opportunities to steal a bag and score <laughs> a run. Just do it. Can It'd you just awesome. steal
0: a base, please? No, he did not. He did That's nothing. Funny. I think he got in as a pinch runner twice and did nothing. I was like, thank you, Billy Hamilton.
1: Yeah, That uh, not surprise me.
0: So, um... Anything else about Tout Wars this season that you want to share before we move on to the question that we always end this show with? But first, uh, any overall takeaways that you're seeing in this league this year that you want
1: to share? Um, I think it's, A, it's competitive, it, like we, we talked about. It. I love the fact that um, they keep it interact, like bringing in newer faces to, to fill in different spots. Plus, there's a lot of us regulars in there. It's a younger group which is kind of cool. We're kind of the newbies in this little realm. (laughs) And so we're having fun with it. And the one thing I'll say is for people like they, they post the, the fab results every weekend and everything, but our league, like Sarah said earlier, is so unique, so unique in the different formats. And I've, I've had Alex fast on my show in recent years. I've had Chris tower, like the very first year, like after the final day and fast one, I had fast towers. We did a a three, like a three man, like table, basically recapping our thoughts of the league and stuff. And, the idea between, behind like obp everything you mentioned i 1000% agree with it's the best way to categorize a player offensively but innings pitched is quite an interesting mover and it's been one of those throughout the years i've become much more fond of much more fond of over wins cuz wins are a fluky stat like wins aren't they, they don't justify to me the quality of the pitcher every time like they can give up 9 runs but their team scored 12 and somehow he gets a win that's not a good pitcher like that. It's not a good outing. That's a like quality starts are kind of bad too. But um, innings pitch is an interesting metric that I'm curious to see if it eventually someday makes a change. You now there's a lot of people that don't like to see change in things. That's why this league was fun when they, they asked me to do it. So that'd be kind of my two cents when looking at this league is it's fun. It keeps me on my toes because everything else I play is a normal five by five Roto. So it's a totally different thing but it opens your eyes to different players. And that becomes very, very useful, especially in the bullpens it becomes very, very useful as you go through the season.
0: Yeah. I agree with you on it. Opening your eyes to different players. And also the innings pitch thing is a challenge. Fast and I mm-hmm. were talking about this mm-hmm. um, last year. I kind of ran the table on the categories like ERA and WHIP. I was doing great on, but my innings pitch were like second to last throughout mm-hmm. the season. And I couldn't make up ground because yeah. of that. And I, I, I was okay in strikeouts. Challenge. Like, down I was down in like the bottom half but not like bottom bottom of strikeouts but it didn't matter like I just I could not there were not enough two start pitchers in the world by the by July I was adding like two start Jose Barrios even though he was struggling and I I, there's nothing I could do about it I couldn't make up the innings
1: I'm with you there that's that's the challenge and that's why I kind of said the thing about without it being an overall maybe next year in year four I just say I'm not even caring about innings pitched just like try to be like third or fourth in it and get those points and just Dominate everything else. Like, I, I don't know. Because I think each year I focus too much on it. That's why I went with Manoa. That's why every year I think I drafted Lance Lynn because he usually pitches a ton of innings and you get him for cheap. And so that's kind of the, the strategy I've always had. And I think I might need to just go back to like almost drafting my my starting pitchers like it's five by five Roto and not even worry about anything's pitched. Just get, you know, I don't know. It's a, That's the fun part is it's a such a different format. You, you have to think so much different about it. The one thing I wish, Sarah, that they would do, let us draft closer to opening day
0: yeah that would be nice
1: <laughs> they never will they never will because it fits into the series and all that stuff but yeah that that would be nice
0: i agree with you on that because i think we drafted this first week of march it's usually right? like
1: between it's like march first second or third so that's how it's always been and it's like, it's just tough because so much changes and i'm not saying we have to be live in new york I, i'm fine drafting at home it's hard for me to do all the traveling <laughs> i'm good with that but like there's other tout drafts that go on two weeks after us online. Like, yeah, it's, it's doable. It's all I'm saying.
0: (laughs) Well, if we draft a little bit later, I I would definitely be here for that too. Um, I, I wouldn't mind making it to New York someday. I knew I couldn't do it the first year for sure, but it would be really fun to hang out with all of our friends in New York on draft day. Um, but You were talking about it being a different format and the way that things work out there, and that is a perfect segue to the question we always use to end the show. What is some fantasy baseball advice that you would have for a newish player who's maybe looking at jumping to a different type of league, trying something new, trying a dynasty league for the first time, or trying an NFBC format for the first time?
1: Well, the simple answer, and I know you want a deeper one, so I'll give you that in a minute, but just have fun. That's what I would say. Do what you like to have fun. Fantasy baseball, is fantasy sports are supposed to be fun. So just remember that. But um, if you're going to go to the, like trying a new format, trying the NPC, because I NPC is a challenge. There's no doubt about it, but it's gettable. It's very gettable. Everything's gettable depending on how much time and work you want to put into it. So just know that, that you know, Sarah just started a new podcast. There's a bunch of fantasy baseball podcasts. There's a bunch of fantasy people, writers. There's a bunch of like, content in general. So there's a lot of smart people out there. And that's the biggest thing. You have to be able to put time in. If you just want to go have fun, that's fine. Go play your ESPNs, your Yahoos. Uh, find a format that like, that you like. Meet some new friends. That's the beauty of this game we play. We all love baseball, so fantasy baseball is a nice twist. So go find something that you're going to enjoy, but know that if you want to be very good at it, you're going to have to put time in on it. And that's the challenging part. It can't just be like, a, hey, I'm going to check in on this thing on Sunday and see how it goes. That usually won't work out too well.
0: Yeah, one of the things that I love about the NFBC, and I was just talking with um, Dave McDonald about this on the last show, because it has that Friday, like you get, you can make position player moves on Friday. It's a really nice check-in to say, oh, I have this guy's day to day, or my second, I'm gonna need a second baseman on Sunday. It's just a good reminder as you're making your Friday moves to sort of s- scope out what you need on Sunday. And so I have basically gotten into a pattern now where I'll do this with all my leagues, not just the leagues on the NFBC, but I, I look at all of them to say, all right, where are we at on Friday? Like, what are my needs, whether they're categorical or positional or whatever? And then I sort of list them and make a pseudo plan for Sunday. And then I can pop that pseudo plan in at some point when I'm not time pressure, but I always return to it Sunday night when I'm watching baseball. So it's like ESPN Sunday night baseball, baseball tonight is on, I'm going to double check my bids and then I should go in order, right? It's like Tout Wars is first, the NFBC league run after that, the Earth League runs after that. And I can just kind of, and I can take the information that I've learned. Through that process and put it into Glarf where I am doing terrible this year. That's another. That yeah. is another podcast entirely. You
1: can't be great at everything, Sarah. It's okay. But <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's it's great advice. It's um, it, you got to have a pattern, got to get a, a routine, and if you wait for the last minute, like I said, you're never gonna. Like, you might have fun, but you're gonna be hard to win. NFPC is great too. That's the, like I get five k. One more little piece, just yeah, go one. for it. I, I, when I started, out, I'd never played NPC. Didn't care about NPC. It's the talk of the town. I get it. It's not for everybody. The price points are tough. I hundred percent understand that. There are cheaper tournaments you can play in, like the qualifiers and stuff, satellites. The thing about it, the formats are great. The draft room is great. They just access like the friendliness to use is great. I I, I don't see myself wanting to play anywhere else but the NFC, Now that I play there, just make is it. it Just try it out, is what I'll say. Try it out, and and you guys will truly, truly love it. And I do not get paid by them at all. So, like, it's it's just a great format.
0: No, big same. I actually had never played an NFBC league, and Derek Van Riper suggested that I just jump into, like, a $50 um, 15-team. to, to try it out and to get familiar with it and to see all of the tools. And I think I have like six or seven leagues at the NFBC this year, although three of those are gladiator leagues and one of them is a draft and hold. So it's like, I don't have to do anything like for just, those it's, except it's, set it's by lineup smart. or just hope.
1: Yeah. I'm with you though. It's, it's, it's a whole, like it's hard to g- imagine myself going to play somewhere else. Like my friend goes, Hey, you want to jump in our Yahoo league? I'm like, I don't know guys. <laughs> it's just tough. I think it's You're Yahoo, like, but my brain. It's a different
0: platform. Now. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm getting old i'm getting old we got to keep this simple here <laughs>
0: clicking on all of those links man it it is it is yeah.
1: a <laughs> it, it gets it gets it gets wild you, you might pick billy hamilton who knows
0: <laughs> dude i'm scarred by billy hamilton for life up uh, bubba thank you so much for joining me today i had an awesome time chatting Tet wars with you where can people find you where can they find your work how can they follow you
1: uh you can find me on twitter at bdentrick b-d-e-n-t-r-e-k just follow me there. I tweet it all out. I have something coming out pretty much every day of the week between written or podcast form, multiple podcasts. So yeah, just check me out there. I won't bore you with the long list of nonsense. But I do want to say one thing, Sarah, it's been great to see your kind of, I guess, growth or whatever oh, through the, the industry. And we talked a few years back and you're kind of getting your feet wet and trying to see what you want to do. So it's been awesome to see you. I to meet you in Arizona, which is a pleasure. Hope to see you there again. That was a great time. And um, more importantly, I'm jealous because you live the best baseball life on the face of the planet. Hey, you get to go to Wrigley like every day. But the fact you go to a baseball game every day, like I'm sitting there watching your your t- your tweets. It's like your And she keeps score, which I love keeping score in baseball game. No one does that anymore. No one does that. And she's like, she's a baseball nerd in a good way. And it's absolutely amazing to watch. Like, how I kind of live vicariously through that. So kudos to you. You're doing awesome stuff. And thanks for having me on.
0: Oh, That that was really sweet. Uh, you can follow me and my scorekeeping at Wrigley Field at, at BCB underscore Sarah. Honestly, uh, when I was like a nine year old kid watching the Cubs on WGN, I just kind of thought that would be the greatest existence of all time. And now that I live a few blocks from the field, I'm going to do it until I can't do it for whatever reason. That's just, Why not? I'm like, I'm going to watch the game on, from my couch. I'll just go watch it from a cheap mm-hmm. seat at Wrigley instead. So um Always happy to share those images and that experience with other people. That's most of my Twitter account at this point in time. I, I tweet out my articles and fantasy thoughts and stuff too. Um, but you can follow me at BCB underscore Sarah. We'll be back each week, breaking down what's going on in fantasy baseball with some of the greatest minds in the industry. And I was so happy to talk to Wars today with Bubba until next time.